Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. And it is a good morning, isn't it? And we thank God for it, and I hope that all of you are glad that you are in church worshiping at this hour. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and in the Christian church it has two other names. The one name is Utica Sunday, and that it gets from the first word in the intro in Latin. The intro started, if you recall, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. And the first word in Latin is Utica. That's where it gets one name. And the other name that it has today, if you noticed on your church calendar, it's called Passion Sunday. And passion means suffering. You may wonder about that. Why is today the fifth Sunday in Lent? called Passion Sunday. We realize that we are in the Lenten season. That started on Ash Wednesday, and it runs to Easter. It's a 40-day period. And if you and I count the days from Ash Wednesday up until Easter, we find that there are 46 days. And we may wonder about that, but the answer is that there are six Sundays in the Lenten period, and the Sundays are not considered Lenten days, and so they are excluded. All Sundays are to commemorate the resurrection, not again the sufferings and death. But our church fathers felt this, that in the Lenten season, amongst those six Sundays, there ought to be one Sunday that would be set aside where again the sufferings of Jesus would be considered. And so the fifth Sunday in Lent was chosen, and today is therefore Passion Sunday or Suffering Sunday. And the text that I just read is very appropriate for this occasion, Passion Sunday or Suffering Sunday. Uh, the text has some words of Jesus Words that you and I would never dream that he would have spoken up in the upper room on the night before he died. And we are told that when he had gone out, it was at that time when Judas had left the upper room, after Jesus had given him the bread, that he had dipped in the sob. When Judas went out, and it was night, we are told, then it was that Jesus, of all things, says, Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now I am made glorious. Now I am glorified. Now I am made attractive. Now I am made appealing by his death. And you and I may say, how in the world could he say that? Judas gone out to bring about his death, to bring about Calvary, and then Jesus in the upper room to say, Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now I am made great. Now I am made glorious by my death. And today, on this Passion Sunday, Jesus assures you and me that the event in his life that glorified him, the event in his life that makes him glorious, that makes him attractive in the world, that makes him appealing, that makes him a great drawing individual, is the event of his death. It is Calvary. You and I may say to ourselves this morning, that, that's hard to believe, that the event in Christ's life that really glorifies him, that really makes him attractive and appealing and alluring, that makes him, again, a great magnetic power, yes, the great magnet that draws millions to himself is the event of his death. 
We may say, well, that's the last event that you and I would ever choose that would actually glorify him, his death on the cross. We may say, while we stand at Calvary and we see nothing there at the cross in his death that would make him the great magnet of the world that calls and attracts and that pulls millions to him. We may say, when we stand at the cross, we see only a reason for sorrow and for sympathy. And we see only a reason for tears. And yet, in that upper room that night, he said something so strange. Now is the Son of Man glorified. He was telling the men who were up there in that room, if you want to know the one event that glorifies me and makes me great and makes me attractive and makes me alluring and makes me appealing, men, it's my death. We may say it just can't be. Sorrow, yes. Tears, yes. Sympathy, but that the event that makes him the great magnet in the world that attracts millions to himself, his death, and that's true, and he assures you and me that you and I need to take a second look at the cross this morning and realize that it was something that glorified him too. Yes, again, it's the occasion for tears and the occasion for sorrow, and it's the occasion for sympathy, but... It glorified him. If you want to see him as the attractive, alluring, magnetic power in the world, as the great magnet that draws millions, you've got to see him in the event of his death. And all for this reason. But when we stand and we look at Calvary, Calvary, his death, shows us a love on the part of Jesus for us that has a drawing power and has an appeal uh, that knows no bounds. I wonder if any of us could ever begin to measure the drawing power of the love that Christ shows on Calvary. The tremendous magnetic pull of the love of Jesus that we see at Calvary. Let's take another look at the cross this morning. Uh, let's look beyond sympathy and let's look beyond tears and let's look beyond sorrow and let's look beyond the fact that we may say we stand at the cross and sometimes again we are so overcome with grief that we are even nauseated at the thought of blood and his suffering. Let's look a second time and let's see whether we can't see there a love that Christ shows for us that has a magnetic power and a pull that simply can never be measured because in the first place as we look there, we realize this, that Christ on the cross at Calvary, again, he shows us a love that he had for us that prompted him to come out of heaven and to come into this world to die for us. Can you measure that kind of love? Could you and I stand at the cross this morning and even begin to say, we know what a magnetic power that is and we could limit it to look up at the cross and to say, what love he had for us that he who was no less than true God himself, God the Son, that he came out of the ivory palaces and came into this world and humbled himself and was born of a virgin and became a human being and came to die. Can you measure that kind of love? Could you measure what a drawing power, what a magnetic power that kind of love really is? And I'm sure that you and I stand there and as we see that love we say, and he loved me that much. 
that he came to die for me, that he left his home in heaven and came down into this world of sin and lived here for 33 years, and that he went to the cross and he died, that he loved me that much, and you and I may say, how could he love me that much? And we may look at our lives this morning, we may say, look at the things that I have done that have been wrong, look at the things that I have left undone, and we may say, as Paul, oh wretched man that I am, and then we stand at the cross and say, but he loved me that much that he came and he died for me, that he loves me equally, that there is no human being on the face of the earth that he loves more than he loves me, because he said one day, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Can you measure the drawing power of that kind of love? And when we say to ourselves, what a tremendous magnet is the love of Christ for us at the cross, then we begin to realize and we begin to envision no wonder in the upper room. He said, now is the Son of Man glorified. My death will make me glorious. My death will make me the great magnet that will draw millions of people to me. There was a sense of rejoicing in his death. And therefore, that very love that we see manifested at the cross, that drawing power that he loved us so much that he came down from heaven, he who was no less than God and died for you and me, it assures us that he longs for your salvation and mine as though you were the only human being alive on the face of the earth. You talk about the power of the cross to draw its magnetic power. You know what that love means? It means this. There is no one, look at yourself this morning, there is no one on the face of this earth that he longs for and yearns for salvation for any more than he does for you. He longs for you with a love as though you were the only human being alive on the face of the earth. But he longs for me in the same way. He longs for every man with that same kind of longing. Could you ever measure the magnetic drawing power of that kind of love? But when a man stands at the cross, then a man can say, what love that he has for me. Can you imagine what a magnetic power and influence, what a drawing power it is to say, what a Christ. Oh, that he draws me, that he longs for my salvation as though I were the only human being alive on the face of the earth, and that's the kind of love it is. That's why on this Passion Sunday, you know, we need to take a second look. We may say to ourselves, but when I look at the cross, there's something that brings my sympathy. It's something that makes me cry. There is a sorrow. Sometimes it even nauseates me when I think of the horrible sufferings of Christ on the cross and of his blood. But let's bear in mind, let's write this on our hearts this morning. The Christ says, now is the Son of Man glorified. My death is the great incident in my life that makes me glorious, that makes me attractive, that makes me appealing, that makes me the great magnet that draws millions to myself. When you and I can realize that, then we ought to determine this morning to always take a second look. Oh, it's nice to look at the cross and to cry. It is nice to be sympathetic because you and I are overtaken by the tremendous suffering of Jesus on the cross. But oh, you've got to take a second look. You see, that suffering's over with. That happened back in about the year 33. That's done with. And therefore, we ought to look and say, but I want to see something else. I want to see the love that is there, the love that again shows and has such a tremendous pull and such a power to draw me and men that I cannot measure it. It's beyond measure. 
Jesus in the upper room, he says, now is the Son of Man glorified. Now is God glorified. And because God is glorified, God will glorify me. And he will glorify me right now. In other words, he says he's going to glorify me. He's going to make me glorious in this death. And there was something to which he looked forward to then in his death. You and I may say, to see the love of God at the cross, oh, there are those that stand and say, God's a monster. Oh, to have his son come into the world and be crucified, such an ignominious death. But you've got to look a second time. It was love if you want to see the heart of God in love. If you want to see the pull of God's love for you and me, you've got to stand at Calvary. Why? Because this was voluntary in love because God loves the world. God loves you and me with that same kind of a passionate longing love that he asked his son, will you go into the world and be the Savior? And the son in love replied, yes. You don't see the love of God any grander and any more beautiful than you see it at the cross. God is glorified when you take a second look. And therefore we ought to realize this morning that we've got to look again, lest this tragedy would come into your life and mine, uh, that the cross would bring tears, and it's easy for it to do that in sympathy and sorrow, and yet the tragedy of, again, losing the fact that it's got a magnetic pull, that it, it should pull you and me to him, that we may stand there and weep over him, and yet in the tragedy to be lost, many a person sheds tears over Calvary, and the tragic thing is that, again, the magnetic power of that love, they reject and they refuse to allow it to pull them to him, and they stand lost. That's tragedy to be lost with tears in our eyes over Calvary. This is Passion Sunday, and it was a tremendous statement that Jesus made in the upper room that night. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Judas gone out to bring about Calvary. And Jesus said, this is the event in my life that glorifies me, that makes me tremendously attractive, that makes me appealing, that makes me a great magnetic power, that makes me the great magnet uh, that draws millions to myself. And all because when you take a second look, again, you and I see a love there that is demonstrated at Calvary on the part of Christ for us uh, that has a pulling power, a magnetic drawing power that is simply amazing. Because look again, when we take a second look, Christ there on the cross, we see a love, a love that he has for us that prompted him to take to himself all of our guilt and all of our punishment for us. Can you measure the pull of that kind of love when we stand at the cross and say, think of it. He who came into the world, he took my guilt, all of it, the guilt of my original sin, the guilt of everything that I have done wrong and ever will do wrong, and he's taken my punishment and he went to the cross and there he bore the eternal punishment of my sin. And not only mine, but he there at the cross he bore the guilt and the punishment of the world's sin for every man, woman, and child who from the day of Adam to the last child should have been born. And we stand there and we say, that's love that is amazing. Who can understand it? And we say, oh, a Christ that could do that. A Christ that loves me that much that he paid the entire bill for me that he bore the equal of an eternity in hell for me and for all men. And you and I may say, why did he do it? Because he loves you and me, even though we didn't deserve it. Who can measure the magnetic pull of that kind of love when a man stands before Calvary and a man has a guilty conscience? And when he stands there and he sees what love he has, 
this kind of love, oh, there's a drawing power that Christ has because this kind of love then assures you and me that he longs to forgive you and he longs to deliver you from eternal damnation as though you were the only human being alive on the face of the earth this morning. Can you imagine any greater love than that? This is what his love is. He says to you, the delight of my life is to forgive you your sins. The delight of my life is to wash your soul whiter than snow. The delight of my life, and I long and I yearn and I pine for this, will you give me the privilege of saving you from hell and eternal damnation? Can you measure the magnetic power and influence of that kind of love? Is it any wonder that the one incident in his life that really magnifies him, that makes him glorious, attractive in the world, that makes him that great magnet that attracts millions to him, is his death of Calvary when you take a second look. Because there you and I can stand, and there we can say, such amazing love. I can't understand it. What a drawing power. What an attractive person he must be when he tells me I long. Give me the privilege, please. I urge you, will you let me wash your soul whiter than snow? Will you let me deliver you from the eternal punishment of sin? And he says, please do. There's a drawing of love. Please do. This is love. Can you measure it? Is it any wonder then if you want to really see the glory of Jesus Christ and the secret of why he is the great magnet that draws millions of people, you've got to go to the cross. Even though you and I may say it's first thing, well, that's the last place I go because the cross, it brings sorrow and sympathy and tears. But I, I can't imagine that there is such a magnetic pull. But look at the love, the tremendous, overwhelming love. And that means today then on Passion Sunday what we ought to say to ourselves, if we haven't gone to Calvary, and if we have not allowed that love to be the magnetic power that pulls us to him, today ought to be the day in our life. How about it? Have you and I stood there? We may say, is it an irresistible pull? Is it a magnet that you and I cannot in any way thwart and we cannot block and we cannot hinder? Oh, you may say, what, what's happened to this great magnet in the world? If you've been reading your papers, you have been reading some of the sad things about the church today, haven't you? You've been reading uh, that church attendance last year was down 12% over what it was the year before. Twelve out of every hundred in the average who were in church two years ago were not in church last year. And you have been reading also that churches are way behind financially, unable to keep the budget and the program of the church going. You and I may stop and we may say, has the Christ of Calvary, has he lost his magnetic pull? You and I must realize this. There's nothing wrong with the pull of Calvary. That magnet, he stands there, he gains millions. But you and I can demagnetize ourselves. We have that privilege. We can demagnetize ourselves and say, I refuse to let the influence of the love of Jesus at the cross have anything to do in my life. You and I can say no. Even though you may paint the blues about the Christian church, nevertheless, 
It is still the joy to know that he is the great magnet that still draws millions. When you look at the size of the Christian church, it is still larger than the next two religions, Islamism and Hinduism. It is larger than the next two greatest man-made religions combined. The church of Jesus Christ still goes on. And when Calvary and the Christ with a magnetic power is preached, there will always be souls one. We need to say there's nothing wrong with the pull of Calvary. It must be within my heart. If I am not overcome by that pull that draws me to him when he pleads, then I've got to look into my own soul and say, what is it? What is it that causes me to deliberately demagnetize myself and cut myself off from that influence? What is it in your life that means more to you and me than he? May we say this as we stand before Calvary, whatever it is, Whatever there is that stands that causes you and me to demagnetize ourselves, if that's the case, we're damned. We're lost. Let's stand and realize that if you and I are without Jesus Christ, we are lost. We are damned. There is no other way to salvation. Doesn't it mean anything? But when we can stand at the cross and we say, I feel the power and the influence of the love of Christ, it's an amazing thing that he longs for me and we lay our sins at his feet and we allow that power, that magnetism to draw you and me that it draws us that we are pulled right up and we get a hold of him on the cross and we lay our head on his breast. Then comes rest. Then comes a peace that the world doesn't know. And when we are honest with him, there comes a peace and believe you me, it's something in the world that is becoming every day more terrifying, isn't it? The world is becoming afraid of itself, isn't that right? The world is becoming afraid. Afraid in the bigger cities to walk down the street with the lights on. Yes, some even afraid in Marion to walk down the streets that are well lighted. We are becoming a terrifying people. Why? Because men are standing and looking at Calvary. They are demagnetizing themselves from the Christ who again was glorified in that death. That tremendous love that Jesus offers that brings peace, that all is well. This is Passion Sunday, and it's good that we have one Sunday that we can stand at the cross. But oh, what a tremendous statement Jesus made in that upper room. Now is the Son of Man glorified. My death glorifies me. It makes me appealing. It makes me attractive. It makes me a magnetic power in the world. It makes me the great magnet that draws millions of men, and it still draws. And as we take a second look and we say to ourselves, how does it come that it's his death of all incidents? That would be the one that you and I would pick least. Because, look again, there, there is a love that Jesus again shows to us on the cross that in its drawing power it just knows no bounds. It's an amazing thing because we look again at the cross and we see that there Christ shows a love for us that prompted him to earn a robe of perfect righteousness for all of us without exception. Who can gauge and who can measure the pull of Calvary when you and I stand there and we say, Oh, what love! He has had for us that on the cross there in his death that he earned a robe of perfect righteousness, a robe without blemish and without spot, 
a robe whiter than snow, and he earned that robe on the cross for all of us, regardless of whom we are or what we are, that he asks no questions in your past and mine except, are you sorry? He says, I don't care what you've been. I don't care what you've done. I have loved you so much, and I have proved it in my death that I have a robe of perfect righteousness for you. And then he assures you and me in love, and he says, and I long. Give me the privilege, please, of giving you this robe of righteousness. Let me put it on you. And when I put it on you, I promise you that it will cover up all your sins and your shortcomings, and it will be the robe that will admit you to heaven, that you can spend an eternity with me in my home, in the eternal mansions, body and soul, without sin. And in that love he longs and says, please do. And he longs to give you that robe as though you were the only human being alive on this earth this morning. But he longs with that same longing to give it to me. And he longs with that same longing to give it to any man, woman, and child on the face of the earth, barring none. Can you and I ever measure that kind of love in its pull, in its magnetism? Is it any wonder that when you really want to see the magnitude and the glory of Jesus Christ, Christ says, stand at the foot of the cross, will you? And there I am glorified. There you see it because there you see my love and the pull. There you see why I am the great magnet in the world and I will continue to draw millions to myself. And when we stand there and we feel the pull of Calvary and we see that makes him glorious, then we ought to say to ourselves when we have allowed again that love to pull us to him and we have acknowledged him and confessed him as our Lord and Christ, we ought to determine today to be little magnets. Let's be little magnets of his we can go out and as little magnets that we can have a pulling power by loving one another as he has loved us, that as little magnets we will pull others and attract them to him. When he had announced his glory that night, then he turned and he said, little children, he said, I'm just going to be with you just a short time now. In other words, he was going to the cross, and he says, where I go, as I told the Jews, you cannot come now. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die, man. And then he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye love one another. And we may say, what was the new commandment about love? Uh, don't you find the commandment to love in the Old Testament? And sure we do. The Old Testament says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. And we find in the New Testament, we say, oh, What was new about it in the upper room? Well, this is what was new about it. It says, The new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, so you love one another. In other words, he says to you and me, Will you go out and be a little magnet? Fasten to me the great magnet, and will you go out and as a man, will you draw men to me and do it by love like I have had for you? Will you love even as I have loved you? And you may say, what kind of a love does he have for me? Why we look at the cross and we say, it's again, it's the yearning love that he has for you and me. 
yearning as though we were the only human being on the face of the earth, longing for us to be saved. He said, will you go out and will you love your fellow man and one another with that kind of a love that you really long and you yearn and you hope and you pray for that person's salvation and love them in keeping with that yearning? That means a love that will be, again, second fiddle at times. It means a love that will make you and me a doormat. It will be a love that will hold our tongue because we will say, I've got to treat that person with this kind of love that I'm a magnet and that I will draw him to Jesus Christ. That you and I, in loving like that, to be little magnets, might have the joy of seeing some drawn to Jesus and experience the surprise that as we with little magnets draw others to Christ, it's the way of saving ourselves. I read about a young man in Vietnam telling his story, talking about the danger there. He says, are we afraid in Vietnam? He said, yes, we're afraid. He says, when anybody is hit over there, he says, they cry out and they scream. We're scared to death. And he says, we're just that way. And he tells the story, he says, what happens? He said, again, we become buddies to one another. And he says, when again somebody sees that he's been hit and part of his body has been blown away and he bleeds, he cries out and he's afraid. And he said, we had again this experience, he said, with my buddy. So my buddy was over there and he said he was out ahead of me, out in an open space and I was back in ambush and he said he got hit. And I heard him call, my God, I'm hit. And he says, in that moment, the question, what do I do? I was comparatively safe. But he says, in love, I'd promised my buddy I'd be there. And I got up and he said, I rushed into it and I didn't care. And I threw myself on his body and I shielded him. And I said, I'm here. And he said, then I started to pull him out of the line of fire. And he said, when I started to pull, he says, I heard something go off as an explosion. I looked back where I was, and he says, where I was, a shell had just landed, and it blew it to bits. And he says, as I was dragging my buddy to safety, I thank God that because I loved him, and I came over to save him, I saved myself, because if I hadn't gone, I would have been blown to bits in the next several minutes. How many of us, if we can learn to love as Jesus has loved us, will say someday, because I was a little magnet and I loved somebody, that's the reason why again I have remained hooked up to the great magnet, Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the way you and I are going to hold on, that in saving somebody else, we ourselves will be able to save ourselves. And the joy then of walking with somebody on the glory road and seeing the glory in the cross and to be able to sing it, yes, even on Sunday, which are little resurrections. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners were slain. Oh, that old rugged cross so distinct by the world has a wondrous beauty for me. You see, there's a glory there. 
For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and ransom me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. No wonder in the upper room when Judas went out to bring about his death, your Lord and mine said, Now, is the Son of Man glorified. Now I am made glorious. Now I am the great magnet that will draw millions to myself. What a Christ. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Thank you.